You're listening to The Art of Business with Jake Lee and Brian Arisal. Business. Say it again, I coughed. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're not that professional. And we're back with the Art of Business. I'm Jake Lee. Brian Arisol. And today we have the next episode, which is usually an interview with an artist. Yeah. And uh, so this is our second, or third, kind of, because Katrina and Epion... Right. Double down. Double down, thank yeah. God. Because they talked for so long. <laughs> they did. <laughs> and we have a good friend of mine, a painter, a general manager of an art store, and also a president of a nonprofit called Primary Colors, Brian Shorts. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you guys? Not bad. So how are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. You're fantastic? <laughs> I can't complain. A little, uh, is it first time doing a podcast? Doing a podcast, yeah. Not the first interview I've ever had, but yeah, definitely first podcast. Yeah, it's probably a little bit different, more relaxed, hopefully. Oh uh, Yeah, I feel like if I say something stupid, you guys can fix it later. Yeah. So. There's beer. Yeah. There's beer. <laughs> There's a dark, dingy basement. There's <laughs> coffee, beer, yeah, friends. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll start it off, as, as uh, I always probably do. You do, because I skim the show notes. You should skim the show notes. <laughs> Um, also, so, you can cuss if you need to. Yeah, yeah. We, we're like, <laughs> I call him a fucking asshole. Because um, I am. Yeah. So, With a heart of gold. I'm kind of going to go like in a nice little intro. Like I met Brian probably, what, a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah, probably a year and a half year when and you half. moved into the uh, Murphy building. When I moved downstairs. Oh, yeah. When I you was, moved into the space that we were sharing, you moved from downstairs, yeah. upstairs to downstairs. Yeah, so. I, was, I was in the hole, and then I moved into a bigger hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was inside of a bigger hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I will say my first impressions was this guy was super cool. Because I have to say a little secret story. And I, I told you this a long time ago. And we might have had a few beers in. Was the first time I moved into the Murphy, I had a submission package. I dropped off into the door. You heard? You remember this? Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. I, I had a submission package. And I never heard anything. And I just kept saying... Fuck primary color. <laughs> Man, those guys are mean. They don't even say, like, no thanks, dude. Like, and then, like, I moved down, and, like, I'm like, oh, man, I hope these guys are cool. And then the first person that comes up and introduces me while moving is Brian Short. And he was just like, hey, I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, let's do some awesome stuff. I, you know, I was next door doing that shows at the Do 317 Lounge. You know, since then, it's been a good friendship. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, not only were was were you um, not only a good friend, but you guys did some great stuff. You yeah. Know? Um, for that was that year that I was down there, those shows were freaking amazing, um, and you guys did some programs that we'll down the road talk about. Yeah. Um, art versus art installation nation. Um, some of the shows that you know we both used to come and see. Yeah. Uh, but let's start. Let's start from the beginning. You know, so you were you were just an artist at first. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start, like, uh, you know, painting and developing your style? Well, I think as a kid, I always enjoy making art. You know, I was I'd almost rather be inside with a marker, a pen, a pencil, and some paper than outside playing. Not that I didn't like to play outside, but I was definitely drawn to doing that. Um, you know, there's definitely stories. My mom's like, well, you 
your teacher always said you were a little different, you know, and I was always very interested in, I guess, even at a young age, materials, because um, uh, as a preschooler, I'm in the classroom, I'm drawing scribbles on a piece of paper, my teacher comes up and says, Brian, wh why are you doing that? And I said, oh, look, I hold up the paper. I said, and there's a rocket on the other side, and I said, look, when you hold up the light, it blows up, and that's what the scribbles are for. <laughs> but she told this story to my mom, and there was a few others, like, sometimes I just have to remember Brian's special. And special in a way like, I'm going to do what I want with the stuff I have at my disposal, and I continue to do that. Uh, I thought it was more like you wanted to blow shit up. And, <laughs> well, this was like a weird challenger thing that was kind yeah, of floating it. Well, yeah. I've yeah. probably been in the right age, yeah. so that could, that's probably, it's very, very possible. Yeah. But the 80s, right? So, yeah, yeah that's probably right. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, he's like the Toy Story Sid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Green soldiers. Yeah. I cannot confirm or deny I used to do other my action figures. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I had a, a figure, and his hand went missing, and I had a fake chainsaw, and I grafted a chainsaw through his hand, and made like an ash kind of thing. You did Evil Dead. Yeah, and it was pretty awesome. I, but I'd never even seen Evil Dead at that point. <laughs> I remember as a kid taking apart GI Joe guys and putting different legs with oh, different yeah. tops, yeah. and like as soon as I found that little rubber bands, yeah, that little rubber band and how they hook it up, yeah. I was like. The possibilities are limited. It's a whole new game. Yes. <laughs> the war is on. <laughs> I, I used to have so many G.I. Joes, and the rubber band would get old and deteriorate mm -hmm. and break. Yeah. And you guys had so many possibilities, I'd be like, no! He's yeah. done! He's retired! I was you, so upset. You just needed to get braces to yeah, get those you had rubber bands. Braces. Yeah, you braces. Yeah. <laughs> I, I seriously still think I have a box of like, Disassembled, broken in half G.I. Joe's with the rubber band. <laughs> oh, I, I totally do. I have a box of toys that I would paint eventually. Oh, yeah. Did that lead into the toys shows that you were doing at primary? Did you have like a fascination with toys? Just um, You know what? Toys has been one of the longest running primary colors um, shows that I can think of. Because uh, when I moved to town, I think in 2004, I had shown in toys. Oh, okay. Because the guys from PC had approached me. And, gotcha. Um... It's always been a toys theme show. Was, I think, I don't want to take too much credit, but I think it was one of those early themed shows in Indianapolis yeah. where we've been doing it. I don't know if we've done it as well. It's been in a lot of different galleries. It's been in 924 before they had Tiny. It's been, you know, at the Harrison Center. It's been at the Murphy. Um, it's traveled around, and it's always a fun show. Yeah. I mean, a lot of great it's my artists. Favorite. Yeah, and Same. it's great to have see people's interpretations. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why I love because you like. I remember when you did the toy Star Wars. I was part of, and seeing the different interpretations of oh, that what awesome. people took. It was just like this is awesome. Mm -hmm. That was that was fantastic. So going back to blowing up spaceships, yeah. and broken toys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, broken toys and stuff. So uh, where did that lead you? Like, you were you were special. I was special. I, I, like I said, and I think this is something that, you know, I kind of learned at a later age, maybe when I got this art, art school. It's okay if you're better communicating visually than with your words and with what you write down. And I think what for me at that point, it kind of gave me, I felt free at that point. Like, okay, it is okay to better communicate visually. I'm just better at that. You know, after college and running a business, it kind of taught me, well, now you have to be like normal people and be able to communicate. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, with customers, yes. <laughs> but but it's one of those things where it's it's it, it totally it made it all right that that was I was more comfortable doing that. And once I kind of found my stride there, I think in the rest of my life I kind of figured, 
well, there's nothing to really be afraid about. You know, I mean, you can you can talk to people; they can take it or leave it. I think that comes with crits too, with critiques of your artwork. You can take or leave it. You got to keep an open mind. But I've definitely had critiques from people that are like, "Oh, this is terrible," blah blah blah. blah. Halfway through, like, "Oh wow, I didn't see that." And it's like, okay, well, you can take or leave it. There's always a nugget of truth somewhere in there. Yeah, you know, most definitely. Um, but yeah, I think growing up, uh, I always loved making art. I don't think that I'm special in the way that I was making art as a kid. Um, but, you know, in my teenage years and in high school, I found myself on the wrong side of trouble and wrong side of mental health, if you will. Okay. Um, and you're in a like group here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I had trouble struggling with alcohol at, before age 17. Um, so there was a lot of stuff going on in my life and I was still making work and I was passionate about it, but you know, with the social requirements, you've got to be cool. you got to talk to the pretty girl, whatever. But once I kind of... F- so I found myself in trouble. I wind up in rehab. Um, I was I ended up having to move out of home for a while. With rehab, I ended up getting out. And that was probably when the most one of the most influential things for me happened. Um, my art teacher at the time, Ben Thomas, great guy, still talk to him. He reached out and said, hey, I really like what you're doing with your project in this class. I really want you to finish it. I want you to enter it into Scholastic Art Awards. Said that alone. And to me, that was a big deal because he was saying, hey, look, you, you're good. You're good you, yeah. and, but, but you're not going to get better if you stop trying. So here's something to focus on. So I took all that negative energy. Right, and I put it completely into making art. Um, probably my end of my junior year, my entire senior year. I don't know. I've I've made art one more time, as much as I did then. But I remember making the work and just loving it. Right, like after my junior year, I sat down with that you know, teacher and said, "Hey, I want to go to art school." And he said, "Okay, well." What I like to do is look at the back of the catalogs and see where all the instructors that have art that you like where they went. That's smart. Yeah. So you can cherry pick a little. Oh, well, did this person that's teaching there, did he go there? Well, a lot of times it is, yeah. Mm -hmm. And other times it's not. And then you can kind of say, okay, well. So he kind of turned me on to figure that out. And then he allowed me to work with him. I wrote my own curriculum to basically be in the art room nine periods out of 11 periods of the day. I'd met all my curriculum requirements. You yeah. don't need a second science. You don't need a second social studies. <laughs> Dang. They cut out me, the facts. I found out all the loopholes. Yeah. They made me take English like four times. They said I still don't know it. <laughs> it's true. It's still is don't. true. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, but, I mean, it was an opportunity. I, I was the kid that they were, oh, we need someone to paint an eagle inside the gymnasium. And I'm like... Okay, give me a parking pass. Oh, no, we can't do that. I can't paint that eagle. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> a little back scratcher. Yeah, right. Scratch hey. mine, I'll scratch yours. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone as artist should be asked to do artwork for free. And, uh-huh. and Or there should be give and take. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, especially with a non-for-profit, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Don't give your artwork away. It has value. If you don't sign value, then why would other people? Boom. This, this, pot, this episode... Yeah, Ira can see good things coming. Yeah, I I, I can see a little tear coming out of my eye soon. I, I think um, I think Epion really dropped the fucking ball. I think that's what. Now nah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the interviews are just gonna get better and better. And well, better. yeah, you're going. You're you're basically creating a whole entire your last year's entire. Yeah, what? Well, it's just straight. Almost every class is art. Yeah, and I had a key to you. Probably not supposed to say this, but I had a key to the art room. Nice. Um, so I was in there. I mean, I wouldn't even eat lunch in the lunchroom anymore. 
I would eat lunch in the art room and start working on my art. Dude, you were the biggest art nerd I've ever Oh, been. totally was. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at it back then for it was like, well, I, I had quit drinking, and which is crazy to say at age 17 that you have to stop drinking. But um, we de- I definitely at that point in time like threw myself into it. And I was like, I'm going to art school and there's nothing that's going to stop me. So... I remember doing portfolio days. Do you guys ever do those where you go to other schools and they have all the other schools there visiting? Oh, yeah. I went, yeah, I did two in Cleveland and Cincinnati and it was, it was a reality check because when you go there and you think you're the top shit yeah. and then you're looking around and you're seeing people's portfolios and then you realize you got like a reality smack to the face that you're not top shit. It was a big like... I gotta get my game up. You're like I'm top shit. Well, I, you know, but that's why. (laughs) Well, but I think that's why you do it two times, though. You do it more than once. Yeah. Because I went there, like you don't have any figurative stuff. Well, I went to a school where it stopped at painting two. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there wasn't there wasn't anything after that to do, and that was why I made my own curriculum. But you know, I went to school with people in college that where they were in AP art. You know, like that's why I wasn't. Okay, and see, now that, we had one art teacher in my school, small little podunk place, maybe 150 in my graduating class. Oh, wow. That's probably, no, it's less than that. But, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it was called South Park, so we can laugh about that later. I, um, I wanted to make so many jokes about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I was chef. It's <laughs> great. Terrible. <laughs> Don't eat in the lunchroom. Don't eat in the lunchroom. Special meat. But I think what it, what... And I kind of saw what you're saying. Like, you go to those things and you see other people showing stuff and it's like, wow. The difference is, for them, it was an assignment. For me, I had to do this if I wanted to get into art school. So I started doing a whole lot more figure studies. I'd find a place where I could go and draw the figure and do gestural drawings. And I, it was so much, I owned it, right? Like, as opposed to another day of class, I show up, oh, we've got a model today. You, 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 it seems like you created, like, you literally was like, I need to do this to get here, where everyone else is, like, being told what to do to get there. Correct. Yeah. Well, and for me, at the same time, throwing myself into this helped me deal with you know, the alcohol and, and bad behavior, it just totally refocused my life. And at that point, then you start meeting other people that are like you. Because, you know, and yeah, we have the same trajectory. You and I. <laughs> That's why I started doing it, was just to stay busy. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think about it. Idle hands are the yeah, devil's exactly. playground, right? Yeah. Uh, Brian over here, other Brian. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, and he's talked about this in, in earlier episodes, was that. Yeah, I just he, hit six years. Six years sober. So. Congratulations. Yeah. So he, uh, and. Going back, listen to episode. Didn't go one. to didn't go to art school though. I yeah. just was like, I like, I like stencils, <laughs> <laughs> which is an art form in and of itself. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, just keeping busy. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's so therapeutic. Well, and I think as artists, we all have a. There's a couple books out there like Touched by Fire, which is about mental illness and artistic personality. Mm. Um, and she wrote another book, and I can't remember it right now. But I think that also made me feel better to have these struggles because. I was trying to communicate visually and everybody else wasn't. Yeah. You know, we weren't, it's not like art school where everybody does that, right? Yeah. It's like, I finally found my freaks and weirdos. Yeah. Thank goodness, you know? You felt, uh, you felt at home. Yeah. You felt at place because like, and you could see people who might not like, you know, be in the same aesthetic that you, your lifestyle is, but you're like, wow, you, you like art too? That's cool, man. Like, and you're good. That's awesome. 
you just feel well, there was, having such a small graduating class too there weren't a lot isolation of no creatives. there wasn't yeah. yeah you know there was like the one person in each grade level that was the artist of yeah. that, you know what I mean yeah. like that's <laughs> how it was so but yeah so anyway so back to what I was saying they basically it gave me a release it saved my life I threw myself completely into it a lot of discipline yeah um, <laughs> not necessarily in a completely healthy way all the time. Yeah, well, I think we all yeah, still do that. But I mean, like, I, I, I have to tell my girlfriend, like, when I'm working on something, don't come downstairs. And don't point out to me what you think might be wrong, because I might kill you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, like... It's like The Shining. Yes, I'm completely, I'm completely, I'm working. I'm completely aware that Matt Finish totally failed. Don't say another word. Because <laughs> like, I'm kicking myself ten times harder than anything that you're going to say. And oh, you yeah. just put the cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> that that to anyone that ever listens, any artist, they know that feeling. Like in the process of it, and you know what's wrong. And someone points it out during that process, and not the. Fin- it's just like, okay, you can leave. Never come back. Never speak with me. Don't come back. Leave. Give me the key. Get out. <laughs> See now, I would also say this, and this was advice from like my mentor in college, and he said. Whatever you do, don't date another artist. And I'll tell you what, that's a really good rule. Yeah. Because two crazies don't make it right. <laughs> two, I mean, no, we're all crazy, but we think differently. We, you know, like I said, we communicate visually like you're going to butt heads because ultimately you're competing with each other. You know, yeah. you're both competing for space and galleries whose is better than when one's way better than the other then the other one feels worse and maybe stops making work like wow that's very interesting that makes a lot of sense right now because every girlfriend i had in art school well, <laughs> well of course <laughs> totally well just failed. that the previous interview was Epiana katrina and they are both artists they are but they're in separate mediums and that's so charcoal big... and spray paint right you know they're, so they're not necessarily competing. No. no. I, say they, I feel like they kind of do, though. I do. I do. Because after each show, they're like, he made more. No, because he even point, he said that. He was like, yeah, Katrina sells more prints all the time. Yeah. You know? And so it's just that compete. I got, But there's that mental state or that stop where it's like, to them, they're... They're not compete. They're not really. They are competing in a way of like what might sell or whatnot. But at the same time, it's like everything we do is for us. It's yeah, like, it all right. Goes it all pot. goes into the same pile of money. Yeah, same pot, same. Yeah. Which is, are, but if you're not that serious as a, in a relationship, then I think it makes it harder. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think I dated anybody much longer than like three months while I was in art school because we just couldn't handle each other. We were too I, nuts. Same thing. You know, I'm like, doing that right now. I'm not in art school. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying people can't make it work. I'm just simply saying I think there's a there, that was the other thing. And and the other thing he's my professor said was if my child asked me if they could go to art school, I would say no. And I was like, I agree. <laughs> As as a father, I would say no too. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you go be an engineer? You make stuff there too. <laughs> Just be creative with like valves for the heart or something like that, and then you can do your artwork on the side. Right. You know, like it's so expensive these days. It's so so expensive. It Art, totally is. The um, I would I would tell anybody like if it was a kid of mine, uh, who if they exist or not. Uh, <laughs> 
that, hey, take that money that you're going to go and spend it in college and get a studio and get the equipment and just learn it there. Because I think... Maybe take some classes. Some yeah. Class yeah, there. learn the best practices. Here, YouTube, Jesus. I mean, yeah. <laughs> YouTube video, freaking... Now you can learn anything on YouTube. There's no point for art books anymore. No. As somebody who sells them, there, <laughs> there is no. I mean, I don't. Sell, I mean, why? You can go on YouTube and find the most specific. It's yeah. visual use. What we need, right? Which is how we communicate and we understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the only thing better for artists, I think, is the tactile. Like we can yeah. touch it. Yeah. And like, if somebody showing me something, I don't want them to do it for me, but show me once and then let me try. We've talked about that yeah. multiple times. Just to have the hands on. sales on art instructional books. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, even at Christmas time, you don't yeah. sell. I mean, we used to bank on what we sold in Christmas um, on like art books at Christmas time, and now we hardly sell any. But then again, when someone comes to me and says, "Well, my kid really likes manga," okay, we'll type manga drawing into YouTube and, yeah. and let him go. Yeah, you know, I mean, because then you have different perspectives as opposed to one, one whole book of one person's perspective. Yeah, you got so much any kind of medium. I mean, like like going back, like take that money, get a studio, get that equipment, learn how to do it right, and just start making. Because I think for me was like when I was in college, anything like what I did in college and now what I do now, nothing, completely one eighty. Yeah. I mean, I helped it build it built up there. I illustrate in college. I illustrate now, but now I'm actually doing it on a surface, and not just digitally. I think it's kind of like art school for me. It seemed like it was art boot camp, right? Like mm. you're gonna try your first year. You're gonna try everything. Foundation. Everything. You know, the whole first year, and you do, and you try, and you find what you like most. Like I always wanted to take a photography class, but then I was enjoying painting so much. Why would I stop taking? Why would I stop doing more painting classes? to go back as a senior and learn photography, like I probably should have done that my junior year or my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you gotta take, you gotta do what you gotta do and I kind of agree. Like that first year, parts of me hated it. Parts of me hated it because oh, I can build this thing out of that and I can, but looking back on it, it's probably one of my favorite years though because I was doing so many different things. It's all new. Right, it was all new. And I think as a, as a young artist going into art school, you're just hungry. Yeah. You're hungry. <laughs> you just want to, I want to learn this. I want to learn this. I'll go watch people pour glass. I'll go watch people do, you know, pours. I'll watch people, you know, how do you make your own clay? Like, I want to learn it all. And it was the only institute where it had all the resources to make it happen. Right. Oh, for sure. Because, like, as a silkscreen artist today, I didn't see any studio with silkscreen. But mm. I saw it when I was in art school. Yeah. And, right. you know... People working on large format canvases of painting and sculpting. There was a sculpting center where I went. It like y your mind was blown. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was just like, wow, there's all this material and resources. Now, I probably didn't spend the best time going there, <laughs> <laughs> but looking back at it, you know, there was, uh, that first year of like learning all the foundations, I loved. Oh yeah. I really enjoyed pouring plaster and uh, stuff that I I still have parts of pieces from then <laughs> yeah. but uh, I, I do enjoy you know I'm like oh, that was a cool idea and I think it's what kind of for me when I got into like senior thesis and you can do what you want why it was easier for me to branch out and do like installation type work or sculptural type work and stuff like that but if I wouldn't have been exposed to it I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable you know so let's 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 go back like you didn't really actually describe where you went where'd you go so I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art, 
It's called MICA. MICA, but I believe now it's just Maryland College of Art. I believe they've took the I for mm. Institute out. Oh, really? Uh-huh. I'll say I think I've already said I went to SCAD, uh-huh. and Mike and SCAD to this day are still rivals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, recruiting. I, would, I think when I started, they were number three. It's RISD, Micah, SCAD. Yeah. I think they were number three, and then when I graduated in 2000, they were number one. But what's funny, and this Good is going to completely no, 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 no. this is going to completely date me. But when I started art school, there was one computer lab, one. Wow. Really? This is '96, yeah. right? So it's not that there weren't computer labs, but not everybody had gone all in because Micah has always been a painting school. If you're a painter, you get the best treatment by well, maybe not anymore. But when <laughs> I was going, it was painting program you know their painting program was fantastic um i think it's it's one of those schools where they have so many buildings it's in the heart of downtown baltimore as a kid that grew up in the suburbs it was a really rude awakening to be smack dab in the middle of the city i still to this day am the only one that i went to school with that i know that didn't get mugged everybody else got mugged now when i walked home i had a four foot long steel t-square and a utility knife that I used as a microphone and I talked to myself the entire time. So I believe that's why I didn't get <laughs> acting crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, so Micah was one of those places where, uh, you know, I almost think in ways it's unfair for us to have that experience because you're so just engulfed with the art. Even at lunch, you're talking about art in the lunchroom. Even, I mean, all day long, it's art, art, art. And it's not a realistic model for life no. post-college right no. um, and I but I think you need that at the time to totally over sense yeah to realize that there's other people more like you you know um, so Micah was great I it afforded me a lot of uh, opportunities I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't go to that school um, I had my work critiqued by Petacoin, the sculpture artist. I've had it critiqued by David Hickey, the writer of the art criticism book, Air Guitar uh, and Invisible Dragon, uh, Lisa Phillips from the Museum of Modern Art, and David Byrne from Talking Heads. Wow. Um, nice. This, at this point, was when I was doing the body work that I similarly do now with the text work and stuff. And it's been interesting to me because every person that critiqued my work their response was so completely different. Um, <laughs> what were some? Lisa Phillips from the Museum of Modern Art. This is right on the heels of them doing an exhibition about female beauty, and like they had brought in female bodybuilders and did a whole piece on that, and almost the baroqueness and how and like over the top that is, but the beauty that is, you know, associated with it. She asked me if I was romantic, and I looked at her and I said, "Well." I'm not sure I know what you mean. You mean, like, do I bring my girlfriend flowers or, like, what? You know, you're just a romantic. Well, I'm not sure I understand. And I don't know that she ever really explained it to me. I assume that she means, like, me looking back at, like, Jasper Johns and his use of stencil text. And, like, are you, you know, do you uh, put that up on the pedestal? Yeah. And to some degree, I do. Especially with his use of colors. Like, this is red, but it's yellow. You know, it's the color. I, I love that stuff. So Lisa Phillips said that. Um, David Hickey was just a jerk. 
I felt like he was like a shock artist. Like he came in and asked the straight edge girl, "You need to do more drugs." And I'm like, "Really? I mean, it's clear based on her work that she's straight edge. Like, do you really need to say that?" Like, yeah. Are you keeping that in, Hickey? Yeah. Shit. (laughs) What are you trying to provoke? You know, like this is their aesthetic. This is their personality on the canvas. Like what? Well, and we were juniors when he did the critiques, I think, and it was just strange, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite one is definitely David Byrne. What a strange dude! Um, great Still guy, continually strange. I mean, forever <laughs> yeah. strange. Uh, He's directing Color Guard now in New York. I believe it. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> what else is he gonna do? Yeah. Uh, he looked at my work and said, um, "You're either before your time." Or after your time, I'm not sure which one it is, but I think you're a conceptual stoner. To this day, I'm not sure I know what that means. He's like, he's like, well, you just like to get in there and understand it. And I'm like, by painting letters. But when you know David Burns are taking your work, you're more like, oh, yeah. yeah I don't, it, like, super, I don't know what it means, but I think I'll you're like it. super excited. And then when you leave like the classroom, you're like, what? Did he just say? I, I don't even know if it was a bad critique or a good <laughs> critique. I, I don't. I don't know. What he, what he? I don't even know if he would put a painting of mine in his. You know, like what was his reaction? I don't think I got it. Do you like it? <laughs> but you can't say that because then you look stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you want to. You know, it's tough. It is. It is. It's like who? Who were your like influences? Uh, Jasper Johns is huge. Yeah. Um, so a lot of text-based work, like Jenny Holzer, Christopher Wool. Anybody using text, I, I just gobbled up. Roche? Oh, uh, Russia, or R-U-S-C-H-A. Yeah. I, I think it's, I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> too, too much on history, but I don't remember. But yes, like the signs and the billboards. Yeah. And some of his more later work, I, I like more than his earlier stuff. Yeah. Where it's much more, it seems much more color field, where it's just a background and like the bottom corner is the billboard or something. Mm. Usually people like the the early work. That I like their Early CDs, man. <laughs> the new stuff, man. Yeah, well, nah. Music <laughs> is different. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you, uh, you big Wayne White fan? I'm not. No. It doesn't strike. It. I don't. I don't remember that name. I don't know. That's terrible. Okay. Any uh, Wayne White. Uh, he did the puppets for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Okay. And he does word paintings as well. Okay. That are like. Anything with very humor with text. Like I think one of the, my favorite pieces of, yeah. of text. He's one of my favorite guys. Just, just a giant fan <laughs> fucking fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, we both. He got me into him. I actually love his work. Um, what does this one say? Smoking weed in a porta potty at the Civil War reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes. Goodwill paintings. Okay, that's insane. Yeah. He doesn't do the back paintings, yeah. just does and the text. No, but like the shadows are perfectly contoured to yeah. just being out of place in the middle of the woods kind of thing. It's it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I, now I think my aesthetic, I, the, the background is driving me nuts. Yeah. Because A, I can't tell what color it is, and B, right. <laughs> like, because I'm colorblind. But, but I look at that stuff and I'm kind of like, huh. I, I think... There's a lot of Mark Rothko with the color field that I really enjoy. Yeah. And I really enjoy putting down that first layer, that base coat on the painting. Like, oh. 
Uh, see, for screen pen and stencils, the, that first layer is nerve-wracking. Yeah, it's the final. <laughs> it's the final. It's the final the where, where you finally unload okay, your, your, your spunk. It's done. We did it right. <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone yeah. just came. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... But then I also like artists like Saul Lewitt, where it's like he can hand you a package and that you can make a Saul Lewitt in your own museum. You just have to pay for the package, and then you get a bunch of art students to come in and do the parts of the painting, like because he's systematic. Like this yeah. is how you make his paintings. This has to be done first. This has to be done second. So there's a mixture of that concept because there's a process to my paintings that is very specific and ridiculous. But that's how all of my paintings start, but never except for like maybe three, end up doing the entire process to the end because the trick when you're making work is to know when to stop. Because yeah. sometimes too much is clobbering you over the head. I've gone way overboard. <laughs> well, and, but it took a long time to figure that out. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to figure out. And I, and I think that was like an early criticism of my work because they didn't want to see the same painting over and over and over again just in different colors. And certain colors worked better, obviously, because certain pigments are transparent and course i knew that because i'm ridiculous about art materials but <laughs> <laughs> that's the next phase in the talk yeah, yeah. But, I, but but i think micah allowed me to do that um i know i shared with you guys earlier but when i was a sophomore i was home from school and i felt like i was really struggling to find my voice as we call it right yeah man i could draw the shit out of a of a self-portrait or draw the shit out of a you know a picture of my brother that he's dad or i could you know paint the living dates, sculpt this, sculpt that, but I didn't find anything that I'm like, I couldn't live I couldn't live without doing this. Or um, you wanted to do it all the time. All the time. Where I could be completely absorbed. Yes. Um so I guess the the constant concept in all of my work post sophomore year is text. That's the it's in everything after that. Um but before that, you know, you struggle. And this is what I was getting at before so I think it was my sophomore year. I was home for seven days after after school was out. Um, had all my stuff in the basement. Brought home all my paintings, and we had a house fire. The whole house burns down. As the house is on fire, and you know they had to pull out the turpentine. They didn't want anything to explode, and they were able to get into the basement at that time. And I remember them pulling out paintings and drawings, and they were just like dripping water. And I'm just like, just leave them in there. It doesn't matter. Like it was heartbreaking. But it also was gave me a total freedom because by losing all that stuff, I felt a sense of void. Uh, uh, but I also lost any proof that I was bad when I was a freshman or a sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you weren't making masterpieces then. Let's be honest. But it was freeing. It freed me up that way. But it also created this compulsion to create. To just, I, I don't think that year probably parallels the year of my senior year in high school where I made so much work because I had to replace what I had lost. I mean, I was working on six paintings at a time, like, and I was still going and doing my regular classes and I was just trying to find classes that the paintings I was working on would work as homework, Not right? Sure. Like, yeah. like, I want to make this. I'm going to make this. I just need to find the right class to shove it off on. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. And, you know, it's you know, interesting. Um, in making those, you know, being exposed to abstract, being exposed to solo wit, where it's like, if you follow the process, you will wind up with exactly what I want you to. 
But what I like about that is, even if you follow that process exactly, there's going to be differences, and that's the human factor of it, yeah. right? Like, that's it's the, the touch. Yeah, it's like, well, so and so Sally from Third Street painted this one, and it looks it's heavier on the brush stroke, but she followed his rules. But but that's what's unique to me. Like for each time I lay that stencil down and I fill it in, it's different each time. Each time, and I would use um, I would use less and less medium in the color. So it would get thicker or chunkier, and then the stencils, as you know, when you start using, they start getting they shrink in, right? Yeah. But that's why the final ones are tinier letters, but more opaque. So, but now I've got five different layers of letter forms, <laughs> and it makes its own. That's what's, and that's what that class did for me. And I think that class also gave me found my voice, allowed me to make things in the voice that I wanted, and I did it all while. I was a junior in college. Yeah, that's that to me. That's crazy because I didn't find the aesthetic I enjoyed daily until years after college. I, I goofed off way too much in college. <laughs> <laughs> I was sober, so yeah. right. <laughs> there. I mean, I, I was so hyper focused to the point where I don't think people necessarily like to speak to me. You know what I mean? Like I had the people that, like you know, in college, you, junior studios, you, you share it with a, what twelve other people, right? And there was the people in there. That I would talk to, but pretty much everybody else, I was just completely. Yeah, tunnel. but you're you're just focused on what you want to do. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So after you find your voice and you graduate, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> I went back to Pittsburgh uh, with dreams of being a rock and roll star. Uh, I was in time a out, time out, time out, Jimi Hendrix. What? Okay, so you you're painting letters. You're yeah. in art school. And then you're just like, you're, you're in your own little bubble, and then you're like, I don't want to be in a bubble, I want to be on a stage with thousands of people rocking out. We'll start with like 30, and okay. then we'll work our way up to 1,000. But, sure. but, but we were in a band before I left for college. What's right? okay. the instrument? I played the bass. Bass. And would Stop occasionally scream as loud as I could. Sure, yeah. But then I became super interested in lyrics. There's a couple of paintings I've done with lyrics inside of, of them. It's text. Yeah, it's I text. mean, you know what I mean? It was just words. And to me, uh, the. Such a romantic. <laughs> I'll bring you flowers. <laughs> I, but, it, but it was just like, I just became engulfed. I wasn't just buying art books, I was buying English language books. I was, you know, I was trying to apply for an overseas thing, so I would have to learn to paint in French. Like, mm. I was just now, or there's a couple pieces I did because I got totally sucked into the periodic table where I tried to spell things with actual periodic table yeah. elements yeah. I wanted to do boom or something that the concept of a word exploding I just couldn't find the right chemical makeup to, oh, to make gotcha. it actually yeah. yeah physically say boom and actually if you put them together it would be boom too you know? right instead he rocks out instead I chose to rock out <laughs> yeah. so I came home but home wasn't bad for me either because when I moved back I became an assistant manager at an art store um, I also was showing in Pittsburgh while I was in college, and for like three or four years after I graduated from college, I was still showing work in Pittsburgh. You know, um, there's the uh, Pittsburgh Three Rivers Art Festival. Um, they're still doing oh, it. Oh yeah. And it yeah. Was, it was a juried thing, and they had I had sculpture in there, I had paintings in there, I had whatever I could get them to put in there. And, um, so I wasn't not making work, but the idea was to come home and do this other creative outlet. And I guess I would say, and I think maybe, you know, with art school, you can maybe agree with me, Jake. It's like, you got done doing art boot camp. The last thing you wanted to do in the first month you were home, at least for me, was to paint a painting. 
No, I wanted to rule the world. Yeah, he hit the ground running. I'm still trying. <laughs> I've still got that, was it, long shot dream or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Were you silk screening then, though? No. Okay. No, I was... Illustrating? I was illustrating. I went to New York and tried to... Tried to do it. Um, tried to do editorial illustration, and I fell flat on my face. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to listen to episode one. <laughs> it's okay. It's not easy to find right now. It's not on iTunes yet. Well, it will be. But it will be by the time this is out. Yes. Um, it, there's just been... I, I think for me, I was comfortable because I knew I had venues in Pittsburgh that I could show work in. Yeah. Um, two great cities, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I, yeah. I love those two places. Baltimore was amazing. Yeah. Uh, We're going in three weeks. <sighs> Roughly. Three or four, something like that. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, Baltimore Comic Con. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore is a rough city when I was there. Yeah. They were number I mean, one in homicide while still, I was there. Still pretty big on yeah. it. Yeah. They're real big fans of it over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, My favorite was I remember seeing the cop cars, and you every now and then see spray paint on the cop cars where I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to make it the city that breeds, but the original slogan is the city that reads, so all that they made it say was the city that breads. <laughs> Which, as a text artist, I totally love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I mean, like, I remember things like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I moved back to Pittsburgh. I remember I, I had a lady hire me to do a bunch of artwork for her hair salon. She was a high-end hair salon. Stuff like that. So I was still doing okay for myself. Yeah, you're still um, doing it. Right, and I still had the the other outlet with the music and lyrics. I want to get to that. I really. <laughs> First of all, what was the band's name? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> like this little question. The Lerps. The, the Lerps. Lerps. What, yeah. what type? What type of music? Well, it would be '90s alternative because that okay. would have been yeah right at, in right 2000. During. That would have been right then. So compared to. Talking like a grunge kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we also, I mean, okay, so we could play the entire Nirvana catalog and the entire Weezer catalog. Okay. Well, that's a big jump, though. But where you've got harmonizing on one side. Yeah. And yeah. It was me, my two brothers, and a good buddy of mine that I'd call a brother. So it was like every day after school, well, let's go jam. You know? It's like if the Ramones did grunge music. Yes. Yeah. You can get away with a lot more when it's your brother. No, I'm not going to change how I play that bass line. <laughs> Did you guys argue on stage? We had a... Every time we had a show, for some reason, my brother Drew and I would get in a fist fight, preferably while driving, and he would yell and we'd yell and scream at each other so much we'd blow our voices out to some degree. So the next, the next day... Oh, it was sketchy. Yeah. As I know, the, uh, the highway system in Pittsburgh is not great, so that's not a good spot to fight. <laughs> in, in, in the, in the, my, I think the story was in the tunnels. We were okay, coming from yeah. downtown yeah. through the tunnels out to the yeah. suburbs, and my brother's in the backseat, and I'm like going like this, and he's in the backseat trying to swing around and hit me. Cigarettes are flying, people are getting burnt, and, and the drummer and the lead guitarist are like, "What the hell is going on?" So it's just what they do. <laughs> <laughs> just let them go work it out. They'll yeah. get through it. They'll get through it. So how long? Uh, how long was the band ago? Well, we started. Band's I mean, still going, baby. <laughs> my brother would tell you that. I would not. Uh, we probably ended in about 2002. Okay. But we had been playing since 92. Oh, wow. I mean, so we were all in high school. Yeah, and, and like even in college, I would come home for, oh, we had a show on a Saturday. Well, I'd drive home on Friday. 
and we play a show and then drive back on Sunday. Wow. Because I thought that we were going to be rock and roll stars. I think, I think art school also kind of tempered that as well. Like, I kind of came back. I'm like, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a year or two and see how it goes. It didn't go anywhere. So Any, uh, any EPs? We have recorded three of our own albums. They are wow. not on Those, iTunes. Oh, I was going to say, are they on Spotify? Are they anywhere out there in yeah, the world? They're... Because I want to hear that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that sounds great. So we were on a bunch of CD compilations that the college put out. Okay. So we were on. Fast start digging and then Goodwill. Right. <laughs> well, the Micah like music compilation, but um, oh god, MySpace. I think the Lurps still have a MySpace page. <laughs> and your brother's still running it. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody's touched it. There's merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but ridiculous songs like "If MacGyver Was a Junkie." Love it. Just goofy stuff. Yeah. And I was the one that I didn't sing a lot. I could just scream loud enough that I didn't need a mic. Sure. And that was probably good. <laughs> that was probably good. See, so you have three albums. You you gotta have these on cassette somewhere. Oh, cassette? Yeah. I don't even think I have a cassette player though. I do. <laughs> I have a fishing tackle box full of tapes. And a lot of them are like four track tapes that yeah. need to go back into a four track like yeah. to be mixed down. My uh the guy that's across from me in my studio at Cathead, um, you probably know him, Jacob Gardner. He oh. has a four-track mixer with a cassette. I mean, well, I mean, even even while I was in college, I, I took the four-track down there and I made um, a, a video piece. Like, it was all about text. The piece was comfort. Uh, we had met in that class every week at 11 a.m. So I built this piece and didn't say a whole lot. People came in, sat down, expect, expected to watch a, 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 a film that the professor had selected, like Return to the Valley of the Dolls or Gimme Shelter, all about like persona as an artist, right? Yeah. And you Ziggy did, Sardust. And you did McIver as a junkie. No. no, 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 no. I made this awful recording. Well, I went around and recorded everything like local sounds in Baltimore trains passing cars honking and I had a whole sketchbook full at 0.18 seconds this happens at 0.23 this happens so I documented it all so I don't know what the real art is is it the film that I made or is it like the neurotic scribblings in this <laughs> sketchbook could be yeah. both yeah. put them together and I ended up compi- <laughs> so I think I had 16 different tracks I compiled them smashed them all down onto one channel and there was like a recording of a clock that I had, like a, and uh, what happened is sometimes that clock would be in tune with the clocks all on the other recordings. Other times it wouldn't, so it would sound like horses racing. It would sound like it was just confusing. But the idea was the title of the piece was Comfort. We come here, we look at it. So it was just the bottom half of a clock, and you watching the hands go like this. When we were done, everybody was like, "That was awesome," but I never want to see that again. <laughs> I was like I, staring at a clock hand I, I, that it has like suspense and tension, right. not comfort. And I'm like, I would be like, dude, this isn't Earth. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm not supposed to be here watching this, right? Like that was kind of like my whole plan. Like I was the last person to present in that class that that for that semester, and yeah. So, but there it is, text, and and the clock had the brand of the, I think it was West Clocks was the brand. So. As the hand moved, it made it say different words, which I totally got off on as well because <laughs> yeah. it's text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> so the the band ended. Band ended. I was still in Pittsburgh. I was working at an art supply store. Um, they uh, were looking for a manager that would be willing to move. Um, we looked in Farmington, Michigan. That didn't pan out. And then 
this spot in Indianapolis showed up. And so um, I moved out here in January 2004, and I've been here ever since. Opened the shop, and as other people have pointed out to me, well, if you want to meet artists, I guess opening an art store is probably the easiest way to meet other artists. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it it was kind of cool to, to do that, and at the time... Indy had uh, one other art store, but they were gouging people on price. This is like prior to the dawn of the dick blick where they can sell everything online. And, right. Um, but it was a great opportunity to move out here and talk to people. And I really started to find I really enjoyed talking to people about what they were doing and tried not to get too up on my high horse about, you know, materials and stuff like that. But if you're going to try to mix oil and acrylic paint, I'm going to call you out. Sure. I mean, have you seen Italian dressing? <laughs> That's what you're trying to do. You can shake it up, and they can be mixed a little bit for a while, but eventually, all that crap's gonna come apart. I've never met someone so in tune into supplies. Every time I go in the store, <laughs> I say, "I want this," and he's like, "No, no, you don't. You want this," and I'm like, "No, I want this," and he's like, "No." I'll give Listen. you both. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll tell me because yeah. I remember you're like, I was like, I need this type of paper. You're like, try this paper. And I'm like, no, I don't want this paper. And you're like, just here, just try. And I come back I'm like, I need a lot of that paper. <laughs> Stonehenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, good stuff. As a as a spray paint uh, artist, it's it's the only place in India that really carries those Montana hardcore yeah. paints too. It's like here or Bloomington. Right. We're yeah. online. I mean yeah. that's what but I mean I that's doing that, man. Well, I think, <laughs> I'm a tactical I think that's I'm a why person I need. It's such a big deal for me to have my staff smart about supplies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they need to be able to answer any question. And I will, I'm not always there, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that it, it, it is great that we have that. And that was an uphill battle to fight to even get those to come in. Yeah. You know? Um, You're, the, that store, it, it has everything. Like, and I, I actually love it. Um, when I used to live more closer, yeah. No, when I used to live downtown oh, yeah. in the Murph, I would hate to go there because it's farther <laughs> away. But now where I am, it's easier access. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been since college to a store where it was so much good quality stuff and not right. just you know the basic generic stuff. Like I mean, I I've always enjoyed myself there. I mean, there's stuff that I can walk through and like see materials that I used to use in college and be like, damn. Like, I didn't think I would see this stuff again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think that's what's nice. I think that we have a a pretty loyal customer base Mm -hmm. where they like to be able to come in. I mean, there's people that come in that, my son doesn't work there, but they all know his name. And they're, oh, how's Liam doing? Or, Or, I think they enjoy the community. It's almost like going back to art school where it's like you walk into the school store and mm-hmm. you have people that are like-minded, right? So yeah, we can yeah. talk about art. We can talk. So what are you having trouble with? The, your navel's yellow is too thick or, oh, well, let me tell you, you got to try this or try this. And, you know, nine times out of ten, you know me, I'm like, here, try this one. Yeah, that one's on the house. Try it because I know you're going to be hooked and you're going to come back. <laughs> like me. First, first taste is free. Yeah. Brian, Brian <laughs> Short is I'm an art, de- yeah. art supply. <laughs> dealer yeah he's the drug dealer of art supplies it's it's worse than crack though because we're so we we need these to express ourselves you know what i mean and yeah i don't like ordering online because i don't get to touch and look yep. and see the color you know same thing i don't like to look the make the guy look the other way and put it in my pocket 
<laughs> nah, I'm joke. I joke. I joke. I don't do that at your art store. <laughs> your art <laughs> store. <laughs> he says. All right, so like you, you know, you've been talking about this art store, and we just keep calling it the art store. Maybe we should give it the name. Okay, so the the name of the store is Prism, the Artist Supply Store. The Artist Supply Store. Yep. <laughs> and um, how many years have you worked there? So I've worked at this location since 2004, so I guess that's 13 years. Dang. But I've worked for the company now for 23 years. Wow. 20, yeah, 23. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, <laughs> now, it's not only an art store. It's also a frame. A frame shop as well, yeah. A frame shop. And yep. I've, I've, I've seen your digs in the back. Yep. And I, I, it was funny because when I was doing my basement studio, I was trying to base it off of his back shop. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like the island in the middle. Oh, and with cubbies underneath. Yep, and, yeah. And I really liked it. And I kind of want to get a little into the framing biz because I find this like such an exclusive biz. And there is a demand and people always are like, why is it so expensive? Because like, it's not just buying a frame. Like Most artists, we need custom. Right. Yeah. Because my first... My first experience was this was my senior year of high school, and I had elongated. I did a, a skinny drawing, and I remember I took it to a frame shop, and it was like two hundred bucks. And I, I was just like, "What? No." The glass. <laughs> I mean, the glass alone was hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yes, framing is a very bizarre animal. Um, talking about the price and framing, it's interesting because I would say a majority of the cost you're paying for is loss. Because if you come in and I have a 96-inch length of, uh, of uh, frame, uh, let's say you need, you know, you only need 56 inches of that, right? Okay, well, now I've lost it. And unless I find someone that has the exact amount for that last part, it's just, it, it's, it, it basically is lost. It's floating. But it's also how you can make money. Because if I can find someone to use that, well, you've already paid for it completely by that first part that I cut off. It's just like Mapboard. Like, I, when you look at Mapboard, it's 32 by 40. It's a huge difference when you go over 16 by 20, it doubles. You go over 32 by 20, it, it doubles again. And then you go over 32 by 40, and it doubles again. Because it's all, it's quartering the Mapboard. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I think everybody... Oh, it's just like, why is this shit so damn expensive? <laughs> and I will tell you, uh, there's it's a skill. It's a skill. You have yeah, to learn. And I saw it. I saw you doing stuff. Actually, when I was there, the last time I was in the back shop, he was framing Daredevil number one and Silver Surfer number one. Oh, cool. Yes. Cool. I framed Iron Man number one. I, a buddy of mine collects comics and he brings them in and I'm just like, I'm putting these in the safe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool because you get to frame stuff like that yeah. or you know god I think I've done a, like one of those full length racing uniforms oh, that's all leather yeah, yeah. well I tacked that up and made a, a thing out of it too like a shadow box style yeah, yeah yeah that's awesome but I think I think that with the framing comes a, kind of what we were talking about earlier when you assign value to someone and you're asking for a certain amount of money for your artwork Framing is the thing that I think as artists that we, at least I think it's so hard for us to do. We finish doing the physical painting or the creation part. It's right? done. It's done. <laughs> but the thing is, is if you put a freaking frame on it, it might cost you 300 more dollars, but it's going to make you a thousand more dollars. Yeah, it bumps up the value. Because, because the reason we frame things is because we as people have assigned value. I assign value, whether it be 
oh, it's, you know, so cute. My son did this or I bought this piece when I was on vacation or I bought this from an up and artist and I think it's going to be worth more money later. Like we are assigning value. And then by putting into a frame, whether people realize it or not, when they see something framed, oh, well, someone cared about this enough yeah. to frame it. Yeah. Um, framing is peculiar. <laughs> Coolest thing you ever framed. I'm a comic guy, so probably Iron Man number one was probably <laughs> the weirdest thing you have ever framed. Well, hmm, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> someone brought in a tobacco leaf that they wanted framed, and they brought it in, and it was fresh. And I'm like, look, I can't do anything with this and guarantee that it's going to stay looking like this because I don't have any way to preserve it yeah. between now and when we get the frame in. So I told him, take it to an art conservator and have him get it into some kind of stable place of deterioration and then I'll frame it. I just love the guy, like the expression that guy's face was like, you fucking kidding me probably? <laughs> oh yeah, like, like I'm, I'm pretty magical, don't get me wrong, but I'm not that magical. Like I can't fight nature. Yeah. And it's just like getting accessories when you buy a car. Do you want museum glass? Well museum glass looks like there's no glass there, but it's 99.9 .9 UV protectant, right? It looks awesome, but not every piece needs that, right? I think it's a lot about talking to the customer and you know, why do you want this? Where, where is it going? You know, and that kind of stuff. Um, I've seen you in action once. I hid behind the table so no one's... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I saw you in action because I remember you were you were talking to somebody and they're like, it's just this, something... I think it was like a throwaway kind yeah. of thing. And you're like, you don't want a custom frame. Like, that's... <laughs> There's ways around it. I mean, now... I will say this, I'm probably a frame snob at this point, because if it doesn't have three inches around it all the way around, I'm like, you cheaped out. <laughs> you know, like, not that, but I don't have, but... I need to take all my work off my walls when he... <laughs> right. Well, no, but I, I mean... I build my own frames on their <laughs> DIY garbage, but... Well, like, I have... It's uh, my style. <laughs> I have a piece of yours that I framed, and I, what I did was I float-mounted it. I didn't cut a mat. I float-mounted it into just a regular black frame. Yeah. Well... That looked perfect because if I had to add matte, it was going to be so much bigger. And, and I already have like some, I think, fake borders on it. Like right, right. Yeah. So yeah, mine are all on records, and people are like, "How do I frame this?" I'm like, "I don't know, man. That's out of there's a record. <laughs> there's frames. There's record frames. I yeah, mean, 12 by 12. we framed a whole bunch of records for the Ale Emporium next door to me. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And and it was just a matter. I think it's like eleven and a quarter. Yeah. Is the opening I make? Or is it 11 inches because it's 11... Whatever it is, it's a quarter inch in. And just get a circle cut and you can pop it right into a... Almost like a 12 by 12. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... But but I think what's so hard is people see this and they don't understand why it's so much. And I'm like, well, it takes a little it's bit a of knowledge. Too. You're right, right. And It's a special. There's like mathematics and stuff to it. Yeah. Like, well, I'm taught how to do this thing. <laughs> well, and I think there's things that look good and things that don't... Like, what, what drives me nuts is... A Someone's like, well, I don't care about the signature. But I'm like, but the signature makes it... I, I, I Thank you for pointing this. I hate <laughs> looking at when people um, frame silkscreen prints and they cut off the oh, signature and the, and number. the addition. Yeah. And Why? Like, that's like, that's fully part of, like, as a printmaker, that tells you who it's by and what number it is made of. Mm. You know, and it's just like... So where's the day? Like, oh, it's underneath the mat, and I'm like, why did you? He's like, well, because it, it, his signature and it was just white and black, and 
not it's not the color. <laughs> but if you give it a nice little quarter inch around it, it's right, and at the bottom you make it a half inch, yeah. it yeah. looks like a sec. It looks like a double mat. Yeah, yeah. It does. I mean, it's just that kind of stuff that I don't think that it's evidenced by people come in and they're like, "Okay, can you frame this for me today? I need it in like three hours." <laughs> uh, no, no, I can't. That's, That's me. In, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, but for you, I'd give it a college try. You know, <laughs> like it's not that I'm turning away business. It's just like, oh no, I, I can't order a frame in and build assemble a frame. No, but but there's all these tricks, and I think framing can really, even if it's just a simple modern black frame with a white mat, it makes it look awesome. It pops it up, and it does add value. Well, and you know, the whole reason matting was created, it wasn't a decorative element. It was created specifically so the glass would not touch the artwork and destroy it. So it's decorative, but as well as... Practical. Practical. Knowledge is power. <laughs> and knowing's half the battle. G.I. <laughs> Joe! Huh. Please cut that. That's probably... Nope. <laughs> Staying in. Oh, man. And, okay, so... Um, Let's let's head to the last thing. Is uh, okay. um, you are president of Primary Colors. Uh, please describe to the listeners all around the world um, what Primary Colors is. Okay, Primary Colors is a. Is time suck? No. <laughs> um, no. Primary Colors is an all volunteer uh, nonprofit arts organization. I think our mission statement is to allow local artists the opportunity to engage the community in which we live. I think we do a really good job at that. Um, I, I, I think we all really, really enjoy supporting the up-and-coming artists. You don't have to have a name to show with us. Um, and it doesn't mean if you do have a name, we won't show you. It's just kind of a... It's always kind of a good mi- mixture of different people at different levels of, of artistic talent, you know, or different levels of where they're out in their artistic journey. Um, We have two major events. Our two major events are uh, Art versus Art and Installation Nation. And up until this past December, we had a gallery space. Uh, We're still curating spaces throughout the city. Uh, We've been at the Antheneum. We've been at Circle City South. We've we've kind of bounced around. It's kind of been nice because we're not stuck in the same space. Uh, It's a little fun to take over a space and create your own experience within there. But our big event is probably Art versus Art, which is a a head-to-head painting competition. Um, the grand prize is $4,000. So I'll make this as quick as I possibly can. No, no, because I love this. Like, I I liked art versus art. I will say I've never been to the main event, but as being, you know, joining to the gallery and yep. being in the Murphy, I always saw all the work yep. that was signed up. And uh, anyone that actually did it, I always heard great things. Like, everyone's always like, it's fun. There's a dude wearing a dress with a chainsaw. Right. <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, that, yeah. that has to happen. Yeah, this is a thing that's kind of in other cities. Too, well, I've I've seen something just recently where you paint actually head to head. Yeah. At the same time. I mean, physically. It's like a Cincinnati thing. Uh, I saw. Something I, like you that. know, I saw that, and I think that they're franchising it. And people have approached us about franchising it. Yeah. And the tough part for us is, and I think as president, this was probably one of my first major <laughs> issues I had to yeah. face: is if you don't follow the rules for this event to the T, it opens Pandora's box for complaints. I mean, you're going to get complaints no matter what. Yeah, you're, you're like going to be a strong artist. You have, to, you have to stand behind the rules yeah. and say, look, you weren't there, you can't win. You did this, you can't win. You're like yeah. Because if you don't, then everybody's running wild. Like, 
the whole concept of art versus art is the lowest to the to the lowest common denominator. Everybody gets the same five colors of paint, same crappy paint, which Prism donates, by the way. But uh, we give them the same five colors of paint, the same four brushes, and an eighteen by twenty-four canvas board. You write that off on your taxes. <laughs> In our next episode, we will be talking a little bit about taxes. <laughs> Uh, so, but so what happens is, is we like have a hundred people show up on paint day. It's paint day is usually the last weekend in August, and then the main event is usually the last weekend in September, last Friday in September. And it's it's time. They only have a certain amount of time. Four hours. Do your best. You got four hours to make your painting. I have seen some amazing paint uh, pieces yeah. and done in four hours with oh, crappy yeah. paint. Yeah, I mean, like I know what I give them, and I'm like. You sneak some paint in, <laughs> and you know there are some artists that try to cheat and sneak stuff in. Oh, there's people that I've seen that have snuck in things to take that they've done it, and they're going to trace it onto a board. I won't mention any names. Ah. <laughs> uh, right. This can also say uh, it's not necessarily always the supplies that make the artist. Right. You can make anything with. Correct. Correct. I think yeah. the people that are the most successful that's are usually the illustrators. Yeah. They usually have a better idea. You do something that's kind of like in, uh, you know, nostalgic to us as we've gotten older, like a He-Man or a Care Bear or yeah. something that's easily identifiable. Yeah. They always seem to be in the top four. You know sure. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what's awful, so we should back up yeah. because the event works this way. Yeah. You have four hours to paint. You paint your masterpiece. We then take your masterpiece, we put it up online on artversusart.com.net. .net. .net, .net now. <laughs> World um, Wide Web. Just say the World Wide Web. <laughs> actually, we do own artversusart.com now, so it could be both. Um, so then what happens is after that happens, we put them online. Everybody can go and vote. They pick their top three paintings. So what that does is it gets us, <laughs> gets us to the main event. But what's kind of cool is, um, in past years, what we've done is we've taken all these paintings and moved them from our gallery in the Fountain Square, then moved them to Sun King, and people could vote in person there, then to the BRVA the week before, and then we take those top 100, and between all the voting, we narrow it down to the top 32. The top 32, then, we display previously, because you have to be 21 or over to get into the Vogue, so to kind of cater to those that aren't 21, we put the top 32 paintings in indie, CD, and vinyl so anybody can come and vote. Mm-hmm. Then we move those 32 into the into the Vogue where the main event happens. And shit gets real. It gets <laughs> real! Um, so what ends up happening, and everybody signs a waiver or a contract saying they know what could possibly happen. Your painting could be destroyed. Yeah. That's what this event is about. I mean, like, when you get into it, you got to understand, like... Your painting's probably going to get destroyed. Yes. <laughs> it has to be. The like, odds are not necessarily in, in the favor of no. it being destroyed. No. And I, think, I think it's not even the understanding. Like, okay, my, my, this canvas I worked on for four hours is going to get destroyed. They, I don't think they compute that. It's going to get, like, with a chainsaw. It's it's to the most extreme. You're going to put... Uh, Dirty like, Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> it's just brown paint, I swear. <laughs> like, I think people don't understand. Like, it's not just going to be like, put it in the trash bin and you can pick it up later. It's like, no, we're going to put it through a grinder. Yeah. Like... Well, I, well, last year, I, I think we shaved parts of my beard off and glued them to the painting. <laughs> so it was disgusting. <laughs> Now, now here's what's awesome though about it. So, 
When the paintings go head to head on stage, by crowd applause, one painting wins, it moves to the next round. One painting loses, it faces the wheel of death. We spin the wheel of death. And the wheel of death will land on, there's always a chainsaw every year. And there's always a multitude of different modes of death. Um, the Monet shot. The Dirty Sanchez. The <laughs> Cleveland Steamer. They're all horrible. They're just disgusting. But you're saying this, that they're all horrible, but you literally have the biggest grin on your fucking face. <laughs> I'm not supposed to like this, I think. I don't know. I, can't. I mean, because every year we come up with five different ways to kill these paintings. Yeah. yeah. You know? And that's the those are the best meetings. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to ask. You probably, yeah. That's the best highlight. The, so the hard part is I always feel like the dad, like, no, we can't do that. Or don't tell your mother. But, like, <laughs> I want to use fire. No, we can't use fire. Only Will Trout is allowed to use fire at the end. Like, we're not allowed to use fire. We're not allowed to use electricity. We're not, like, we have to really rein it in. Rules <laughs> and regulations. Rules and regulations. Yeah. I mean, we've had a situation where someone has been hit with a piece of a painting and mm. we had to pay their medical bills. Like, you, but. Yeah. Did I, we, did, we forgot to mention there's a burlesque troupe involved in all this, too. It's so over the top and Baroque. And, like, when it was first you know, explained to me when they came to me and asked, prism to be a part of it they had said you know it's kind of like jackass or it's kind of like a game show on on acid like and the I, gong show yeah what, what you just said was they primary colors went and asked you as being the gm of prism uh-huh. so this was way before you even joined correct correct in 2004 before i was even my store was even open i'm in there and like grungy clothes and my hair looks like that and, and I'm like someone's knocking on the door and I'm like who the hell is this and it was uh, two one of the original founders of the organization and another guy whose art versus art was his brainchild and uh, they, can we talk to you I'm like this sounds awesome but I don't have my donation budget so I'm going to give you all the brushes for free but you have to buy the rest of the stuff but I'll give it to you at like a 10% discount um, that's awesome now we donate all the supplies yeah so after that, were you like, sign me up? When I first opened the store, I worked every day, open to close. So like for the first year. So I wasn't like, I didn't want signed up for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Your life was already penned out. I'm like, I'm living in a hotel. Uh, like, we'll get it figured out. But um, slowly over the years, I became more and more to the, with that organization. Um, and then was finally asked to join the board and then finally became president as well. But when you become president, nobody warns you. I've had so many people come into my store and be like, I can't believe you support this. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. And, I'm, and my response is, well, I'm glad we have this forum to share our opinions. And then I go in the back room and laugh my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, and, and it's good if the people are... are I mean, isn't it good to have a reaction better than no reaction? Like, to have people come in like, it's just not right that you destroy artwork. But it's crappy paint. They had four hours. They paid $15, got a free ticket to the show, and they can win 4000 Not yeah. only that, but it's a gamble. They, but, yeah. they did it. They allowed, they're, they're submitting to it. Right. They want to. That means they're supporting the event. Means that they're for it. So why are you against them being for it? Well, I mean, in this, I mean, I think about some local artists that have springboarded from it, like Amory Abbott, Chris Sickles, Mab Graves, have all, all are winners of Art versus Art. 
and and kind of have gone from there and it's kind of like given them confidence and mm-hmm. you know four thousand dollars goes a long way for studio supplies as well you yeah. know um there's people that have had that experience and and it's great it's gotten crazy in the past couple years um i think for the past two years we've put over seven thousand dollars back into the artist's pockets because whatever we sell the paintings for the artist gets 70 percent of what we sell it for that's awesome so like and that goes for the paintings on stage, and it goes for all the paintings that don't go up on stage. So, just kind of get a little more detail on that. So, you have two paintings on stage, and they do a crowd pleaser. Uh-huh. They both do audience yelling. And then whoever loses gets a... Faces wheel. the wheel of death. And then, so, can someone bid on that and be like, I want to save it? So, for each round, so for the first round... To save a painting, the bidding starts at 150. Second round is 250. Third round is 350. Fourth round is 450. Um, so what happens is we have these paintings, and what's been great, I mean, it's kind of a problem, kind of not. When you have this much good artwork, yeah, you can't. Everybody wants to buy it. Yeah, everybody wants to. Buy so are you it. just sitting on stage with a chainsaw, like? When am I going to break shit? Yes, because starting a chainsaw backstage is one of the most dangerous things you can do. I mean, it's like this one. Look out, Martin. Don't hit the MC, no. But so we wait. But then in past years, what we've ended up having happen is people are buying paintings so they can choose how they get destroyed. So like. Oh, that's evil. We had one guy that his painting's been bought for the past three years. So bear in mind, he is getting 70% of what we sell for. Yeah. But it, I think it was a 150 painting in the first round that got up to like 300. Okay. And the person said, I want to decide how it gets destroyed. That's why I'm buying it. <laughs> That's you. I love it. I mean, but what's great is all that money. I mean, it helps us as an organization. Helps the but artists. it also gives money to artists. Like, even the paintings that don't make it up to the top 32, they're all on the side. We're selling them for 50 bucks. If they sell, the artist gets $35. Like, that's what's important. And they didn't have for to pay hours of work. And they they paid <laughs> yeah. supplies. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. they paid 15 bucks, and they get to take the supply, like the brushes home with them if they want. Like, yeah. it's a good deal. Yeah, and it's exposure. Yeah, exposure goes a long way. You guys are one of the only organizations I know in the city that really tries to help the artists and gives like them an opportunity for so much exposure. Right. I I always love primary colors. It's tough that way. It's also tough to kind of police it to know how to do what and where. And I will say now that we're not in a situation like the. It's almost easier if I get it digitally, someone emails me something, than if they physically drop something off, because then I've got to show it to three other people before we can agree on it. And it's hard, because we're not just doing art versus art. We're not just doing the gallery. There's, you know, behind-the-scenes things, making sure that people are showing up to enough board meetings, making sure that we have enough people on this committee and that committee and this committee, finding new blood. Bringing in volunteers because you don't want everybody to come in right away and be a board member. You gotta, and I guess that would be my advice if you're interested in getting involved in a non for profit, volunteer first. Volunteer first. Make sure that your ideals match theirs because you may get into it. And, and I don't think that primary colors has anything to hide. I mean, because we, we don't hide behind anything, we just stand behind the rules for art versus art. It, it's, just, it's just tough, you know, to keep everybody happy. And not every, and you know, what do you do when you're like, well, you know, this work, it's just not up to snuff. It's just not, it's not at the level that we want to show in our gallery. Yeah. But I appreciate you applying. And you want to be careful because nine times out of ten, we try to give some positive feedback and say, this is what we like. 
this is what we didn't like. We think if you could do this or this, you know, maybe next year reapply and we could get you a show or into a group show. And um, it's tough like that. It's definitely tough like that. So you tackle as being the GM of Prism, and you're also the you know primary colors president. I mean that it takes a lot of time. It's almost like another full-time job. It definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a lot of time. And sometimes it's it, it's it's more just making sure that the right people are at the right places at the right time. And making sure they do the right things. I mean, and I guess that goes back to we talked about, you know, art versus art and possibly being franchised. And, right. But the thing is, is like, do we want art versus art to go out there? And like, I'm not there, so I can't tell you. No, you, you can't let them use their own brushes. Yeah. You can't let them bring an easel. You can't, like, these are all things that we've learned over the years. You let one person use an easel, and then next year everybody's going to bring their own damn inch, easel. They take a mile. <laughs> Artists are creative people. They yeah. will find ways around oh, yeah. the rules. Yeah. Like, at the dawn, like at one point in time, there was no cell phones allowed. Well, you can't do that now. Right. I mean. <laughs> they already have sketches and free, like, colors. Right, like a concept already in there, you know. But then we thought about, like, well, and at this point, everybody, almost everybody has the ability to have access to a smartphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. Whether it's a tablet or a smartphone, what's the difference? About three inches, right? I mean, so we had to kind of do away with that rule. And I think that's been one of those things that's been tough. So let them have source material. As artists, we use source material. It used to be like, you can only bring three Xerox copies. Now we're like, you've got your phone. I think it, I think it just got to the point where we were having to like boot people. Like, you can't use your phone. You're out. Sooner or later, there's going to be like a little projector on the cell phone. They'll just hold it up. <laughs> I think they one. have that, yeah. Samsung has something like Moto that. Moto or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there I'm is like, one. great. That does uh, 75 inches or something. Crazy. We had to yeah. bust somebody because they had brought like... It had like carbon paper on one side, uh, and it was tracing paper. Yeah, and they they had folded it all up and brought it up, and then we're just gonna trace it again on the painting. They did a they did like a Indiana Jones. Run. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, you can't do that. They did a rubbing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but it's it's a fun event, and like I said, so like usually like last year's artist won four thousand dollars, and then sold his painting for another five hundred bucks. So now, boom, that's I funny. mean. Forty-five hundred bucks. That's good money. We don't we don't keep any percentage of the grand prize. We just take percentage of what we sell the paintings for. That's so, awesome. But to you know to do seven thousand and I think the work keeps getting better. I feel like the people that are kind of on the bubble. There was a lot more people that were on the bubble before. Like yeah. Like I'm gonna come paint with my friend. Okay. Well, you should come paint with your friend for the fifteen bucks it costs to get in. You get a free ticket for fifteen bucks to paint. You're basically paying for the ticket. Right. So what are you losing? You know, but you have to be there in order to win, which is an example of one of the things that I had to deal with. One year, somehow, a painting had scooted through without us finding out that the artist wasn't there. Oh, God. (laughs) You just, you just like transitioned that perfectly. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, we had a situation where the artist wasn't there, but it made it to the final round. The thing was, I don't think we realized that the artist wasn't there until we're like, the artist, come on down! And oh, no one shows up. Oh. And then, <laughs> luckily, someone had bought the other painting, and so it didn't get destroyed. We couldn't let that person win because he wasn't there. But if we would have let him win, that means that everybody... Every rule. could you got to throw it out the door. And it, you cannot do that with that event. Especially with money on the line. $4,000? Absolutely. I have a question about art versus art. Okay. What is the big thing that you had to say no that as far as a destruction method was? And what's your favorite destruction method? 
outside of the chainsaw. Because <laughs> when he said chainsaw, oh yeah, his fucking face went like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, okay. But that's like your staple. That's your so, base. You're starting with well, chainsaw. Like so, <laughs> like last year we had the chainsaw of truth. Okay. Which was an extremely tall woman dressed in a Wonder Woman yeah, co- I was gonna say costume, Wonder Woman thing, yeah. chainsawing paintings. <laughs> like, it doesn't get a whole lot better. <laughs> um, if only the chain was gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the Cleveland Steamer because we had one of the uh, burlesque girls come out and do it. Yeah. And it was something that I had built. Yeah. So it was like it was like a laundry basket thing that I put a top on and had a thing you could lift up and down. So, but like when you would spray, like you're spraying starch and you're ironing something. Yeah. And then I put on the bottom, I put a, a fog maker. And, and so whenever she would close it down, I would hit the button. It would just look like it was getting steamed. Nice. That's awesome. But she would, <laughs> she would squirt like brown fluid acrylics all over the painting and she'd pull it up like there's no it wasn't like what she did actually destroyed it yeah. it was kind of like a it's slight like theatrics kind right. of thing, which is fun yeah and uh, that was one of my favorites because she was she was definitely a showman I mean she was like huh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain what she did she was into it she was really cool. into it yeah. one of the ones that I really enjoy um, that probably crossed the line <laughs> Is the Monet shot where they took a super super soaker and made it look like a phallus, (laughs) and it shot white paint all over the canvases. (laughs) Um, That one was met with with love. No, 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 nobody liked that. Was just over the top for everybody. I'm gonna throw one out uh, for a future event. Uh, The Blue Period. If you could somehow work in a Blue Period, maybe. You get nasty. <laughs> They're all pretty nasty titles. Yeah. Yes, they are. The uh, what's one you had to say no? Just so somebody's like, I wanted a flamethrower, and you're the like, the you fire, can't flamethrower. For the fire stuff, are the two that I keep having to say no to. <laughs> well, well, one I didn't say no to. We just had to change it. Yeah. There was the Jay Z incident with Solange Knowles, okay. and it was going to be like one of the girls came out with a heel. And beat the crap out of the prop Ooh, painting. Okay. And we were going to call it 99 Problems. <laughs> but when we were all getting together and discussing it, they're yeah. like, I think that happened. And then right on the heels of that, you had the Ray Rice thing happen oh, within yeah. the, in the. And it's like, this isn't funny. Right. You kind of have to go, it was maybe, maybe it was too soon. I, I, I sure, don't know. You had sure, to go. Yeah, sure. You had to go. Okay, we're gonna have to say. We still did the same thing, but we didn't call it ninety nine problems. Yeah, I get that. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> the one that I consistently every year have to tell Martin no to. <laughs> he wants to do a wood chipper on stage, and we'd call it the Fargo. But I can't find any way for us to do that on Without stage. Without the canvas shooting at people. I mean, either shooting all the shreds up into the. I mean, because there's a full band on stage, yeah. and they they get upset when there's any kind of spray or anything that could, they could breathe in while they're playing their wind instruments. Like that, that's like the hardest part. There's a way. Like you could build like an acrylic topper and then have like a hand crank. Oh, I mean, almost, yeah. I have I've yeah. said this. To yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've played this out. Yeah. But the problem is, is, I'm like the dad. I'm like, we 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 can't do that. What yeah. if somebody's hand? You guys are all drunk backstage. What if somebody's <laughs> hand gets stuck in there? Like, I'll come in there. I'm sober, man. <laughs> see, and that's the problem. I can see Martin, I can see Martin be like. That's okay. I, I'm okay with losing a hand. <laughs> well, and then there was another one where he was going to be on a toilet that we wheeled out. I'm like, guys, 
There's no space. I don't know. I don't even ask. The, 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 basically, it's like we sit down for the modes of death meeting, and I'm like, no, no. Oh, that's good. No. It's, it's, it's good, but no. Like, I mean, we have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to be like, I would love to have a thing where we paintball the crap out of a painting. But, yeah. like, I don't know if we could do it far enough away, like the sniper or something. But you could do it from up in the balcony, <laughs> right? You cannon, shoot it. In right, the right. I mean, dunk, dunk. And we've had people get, you know, shit in their eyes and stuff from that, too. So it's like, it's tricky. Like, how do you... Yeah. It, it, or like when are we going too far you know like and you've got to kind of find some that are a little bit easier to do when you have a big ass dick shooting (laughs) Monet shots Monet shots that that reminds me of uh, seeing Guar yeah yeah, it's like a Guar the sperm cannon yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what yeah. it was. It's always fun. Those meetings are a lot of fun. The event planning it is a blast. It's a lot of work though. It's a ton of work. Because there's sponsorships. There's sponsorships. There's it moves around the city in three different locations before it winds up where it's at. But then again, by doing that, we're giving somebody that's not necessarily an artist an opportunity to show in a gallery yeah. or to be exposed down at Sun King and you know there's paintings that don't make it in the top 32 that I think are great paintings and people get them for 50 bucks that's a steal yeah, yeah that is you know um, like could you imagine getting an early Map Graves painting for like 50 bucks <laughs> for like 50 right. bucks that's insane right I mean you could but, well, turn she, around and she, she won I think she won the one year the and, one year she won yeah and then the next year she participated but I don't know I think she ended up you know, didn't finish the painting. Yeah, I mean, it's just that that hypothetical of like yeah. these people could be something. Well, you have, you know, three, William, you have William Denton Ray. Yeah. You have, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the other. You know, you say Chris Sickles. I've Chris hired, Sickles. Yeah, I've hired him to do illustration. I mean, they look like his little people. Really, you know what I mean? That's awesome. He right. won like maybe two years. Um, I mean, and that's what's so great. Um, and it's always great when you see like the big artists, and I think that maybe pushes the people that are painting around that person to paint. Maybe to another level too. You're side by side. Yeah, you know, you're it's at an fun. equal playing ground. Right. starting out there. It's a very interesting event, and I, I, like I maybe said before, it when they came to me, that was when like Jackass on MTV was at its height, yeah. right? And I was like, this is basically like art Jackass, right? Like yeah. we're gonna go over the top, we're gonna do something bizarre and weird, and we're all gonna get together in the name of art. We're not making masterpieces. We are just getting together and having this fun event. And it's all tongue-in-cheek. You spent four hours. It's not like your masterpiece where you spent three years working on it. Like, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. have fun with it. Yeah. And I think most everybody knows it. Now, in the early days when people didn't realize that we were going to destroy their painting, oh, I've, I've gotten into heavy discussions <laughs> over the fact that, no, 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 we're not going to you can't have your painting back technically by signing it as soon as your painting's done it becomes our property yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I will destroy it and enjoy it (laughs) so you better start to learn to enjoy it (laughs) so going from the demonic (laughs) destruction event you also have another event that almost is a national wide event yeah yeah we do a national call installation nation um it looks like we're gonna. So we did. We've done it in June through July. So it's usually up for like three weeks. Um, in years past, I think we're gonna move it to September in 2018. Um, and the idea is that that way it'll get dark earlier, so we can do some more like light-based work and stuff like that. 
Um, but I think we're also at a point where this is a great this this is like to me art versus art everybody can enjoy and participate in installation not everybody can participate in it you got to kind of know what you're doing we do we do our calls on cafe um, and we get you know we've had even stuff people submit from overseas we don't charge a fee to to enter um, you know we have 50 or 60 you know submissions every year and we got to narrow it down to like 12 or 13 mm. now what's great about this is each artist gets a thousand dollars to create their vision um, and it's always kind of a little bit of a gamble. I mean, when you're when you're sitting there and we're judging, and you look at people's resumes and go, oh, well, they've done something like this before. It shouldn't be a big deal. Or you look at they've never done anything about this, and what they have planned is so technically difficult. You got to be like, yeah, that's eh, on the bubble. <laughs> you know? Um, Can you do that for a thousand dollars, really? <laughs> but then again, where is there opportunities for artists to make installation work on the regular? You know, we have an annual event. I mean, turf only happened once. You know, and lighten only happened once. So we have an opportunity where we do this year after year. You know, if you have 12 artists, that's $12,000 out of our organization's pocket. But we really believe in the event. The event is strange because when we first started the event, we started in like 20-foot-long shipping containers. Um, it became so difficult because they dropped their shipping containers and it wasn't like if they dropped them in the wrong place we could move them um, <laughs> right and it would be like so if you came up on the event all you see is these shipping containers in a row or however we decide to line them up so you don't really see any art what's cool now we moved it to the Indianapolis Art Center you can stand in one place and see all of the installations I've, and that's cool I've been, yeah it's awesome. I mean, you can really... It doesn't feel so closed off. Maybe you don't go up to every single installation like you did before, but... Uh, you know it's there. You know it's there. Um, and we had a huge problem with uh, with electronics in those in the truck shipping containers because it gets so hot in there in the middle oh, of the summer, yeah. all the electronics would fry. So that would mean like 50% of our you know pieces were shot. It's, it's a fun event. It's in a great spot. It's a great night. You know, we're... We're moving into next year where this, it'll get darker sooner. So we're talking about possibly maybe even turning into like a, partially a film festival mm-hmm. where we could do film like at 8 o'clock at night once it gets dark and uh, just to kind of stretch it a little bit more, you know. Um, it's, you know, obviously that would make it much more important to be there on opening night. Yeah. And it's also great to go back and see, like, see it on opening night, go back the next week, go back the next weekend, and see how much it's changed. I can recall seeing the prelims of Williams. Mm-hmm. Cause he's the flags, yeah. The flags. And when it when the wind went, it moved. Right. Oh. And that's, it was, it used kinetic. Right. Know, and it was really cool. I liked that a lot. We, we've had ones that have moved, but not by their own choice. Um, <laughs> we, it's at the Art Center. It's an open ground. You can go back there and walk around wherever you want. And uh, we had a, uh, a young woman do an installation with a bunch of the uh, oh punching bags with the sand in the bottom. So when you punch it, it comes back up oh, to you. Yeah, like a weeble wobble. Yeah, and so they, <laughs> she had a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And um, when we, I think that year what happened was we got rained out on the opening date. So we had to end up having to do it on the second date. Well, between those two dates, somebody had come and tried to steal some. Oh. Oh. A person had grabbed... Had, she was there with her kids. She was walking around. And one of the groundskeepers said, Oh, you can't have those, ma'am. Those are an art installation. She goes, Okay. So he walked around. He was walking back into the art center. 
And then two minutes later, he sees this lady running with two inflatables to her car. She's like, my kids need them. She gets in the car and peels out. Like she's gone. Like, Kid needs them. <laughs> but there's, but that's the kind of fun stuff you do when you have an outdoor event and you have and people can interact with it however they want. Yeah. You're not the boss. You know. <laughs> that's the most political way of saying. It. <laughs> I can see you just like, she did what? <laughs> 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 How am I supposed to tell this person right now? <laughs> well, the hard part, it wasn't even me. It was a groundskeeper that was there that works for the art center that was like, man, those aren't for you to take. Yeah. I just I just picture some lady running into like a mob soccer fan. They need these inflatables. <laughs> they don't need food, water, or shelter. They need these inflatables. They're really cool inflatables. I mean, he's not gonna sleep unless he has. Yeah, well, how's he supposed to become a world class boxer if he doesn't have this? Yeah. You're a bum, rock. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Do you have any uh, any other notes with uh, nonprofits or any advice for anybody? I do. I do. Um, so for the nonprofit, it's tricky. It's it's a lot more work to get it started. Being in a non-for-profit, artists are key, a key part of it, but they can't be the only part of it. I think on our board currently, we have someone that's an HR person and their day job. We have somebody that's a lawyer, that's their day job. We have somebody that works for like AT&T, that's their day job. And all different ages, you know, up to 60 years old. We have a whole range of different ages involved in the organization. It's really important that it not be all artists. I love artists. I sell. I live because artists buy stuff at my store. But you need all those different perspectives. And I'll tell you what, in this day and age, the probably the most important thing is marketing. Because when I became president, even to now, it's only five years, marketing has changed vastly. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, with social media and the way that that works. And I, I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon, but... It's just not something that I've ever been trained. I'm more worried about selling my art supplies and stuff like that. I'm very guilty of not putting my artwork on the on the web, you know what I mean? But it's also one of those things where it's like, it has definitely changed. And, and the rules change all the time. Yeah. And how do you figure it out? How do you get people to know about you? And I think we're all at a point where, even my store, print is dead. Printing stuff is the biggest waste of money and totally ungreen and like so why not e-blast living daylights out of everybody <laughs> that's my business well <laughs> on a couple of fronts because you're a screen printer yeah. <laughs> well it's alright I would say that that's different though what I will say yeah. this and working at Prism there is definitely in the past four years been an uptick in printmaking yeah Silk screening. Silk screening. I always find it funny. It's like when you say uh, printmaking, they're always like, silk screening. It's like, well, there's lino cut, there's wood cut, there's etching. Like, there's all different types, but they only know about silk screening. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's one of those. I don't know. When a a medium goes away, it kind of pops back up in its own. More demand. Retro is in demand. But I think that. Silk screen's like. But I think it speaks to our our current culture though oh yeah I mean I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I love all types of artwork and I I don't have any issue with silk screening what I seem to think though is it's ten times easier ten times easier to sell ten pieces at twenty dollars a pop and make two hundred bucks than it is to put a painting on the wall one of a kind and to make that two hundred bucks 
I got to drop my price from like a thousand or five hundred down to two hundred. No way. Yeah. No way. But I think it also is this instant gratification that we currently have. I need something. I can go on Amazon right now. What do you want me to order, guys? You know, like, <laughs> I, but I mean, but we're so used to that, and it's 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 like. Especially, I see that in my son, where if he can't get his hands on it, when his thought happens, if he can't get his hands on it, it's, it's gone. Then it's like our attention span is gone. Yeah. And and I'm, but by no means am I saying it takes away from it. I just see. I would say four years ago, I thought about taking out my silk screen section because I no one bought it. I would leave paint on the shelves; it would go bad. And then you met me. Well, <laughs> met you. Well, and I think some things the 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 playing field's changed, you know. And I think so. Then all of a sudden, I'm selling more of that to like freshmen that are taking uh, an elective. Then, yeah. you know what I mean. And and Talia's way expensive. You know what I mean. Uh, Lino cut I mean, wood block. I mean, it's not that much more expensive than yeah. silk screening. I mean, but you erase your screen. You you kind of keep the the print number it, it by destroying the screen it, you can't print it again i mean it makes it's it valuable yeah. you know what i mean there but the thing is is like i don't think that the everyday average person when they look at your work thinks that no they, they don't. don't they don't get that they, they don't they, get what goes went into it to make it and all that they don't get that i run into your store right when it opens i'm four days with no sleep and i'm like i need more black and transparent base <laughs> <laughs> and i'm out of transparent base <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always Oh God! Yeah. I can't order enough. I order forty-eight bottles, and they're gone in like two weeks. And then I order forty-eight bottles again, and they sit there for four weeks, or <laughs> sit there for like four months. You know what I mean? Like it just fluctuates. <laughs> um, it, it's it's it very interesting, and I think that you know, for PC, for us to to show work, we don't we don't necessarily go. Oh, this is the type of work we want to show. We we're trying to find something that kind of resonates with people and, and put that up. You know what I mean? And without the gallery, I think we're doing a lot more group shows. And I just remember as when I in my younger years doing group shows all the time. And there was group shows where in Pittsburgh we did a thing called Flux, where it's very similar to like some of the things that happened here, like Orange, where they were. It was a building that was in transit from. It was run down. And it's going to be owned by these people in a month or two, but we're going to do a show here, and then it'll be completely re refurbed, so it doesn't matter if we put nails on the wall and stuff. But the one that I did that I thought was so cool, it was like $14 to get in at the door, and then all the artists that showed any work got, based on the number of artists, a percentage of what came in at the door. Mm. That's amazing. So, I mean, I would love to do something like that here. And I think the only thing that Primary Colors has done before is a lot of people, just similar to that, where I think the artist was given like $250 to participate or something like that. But I would love to do something like that where, because there was bands. Yeah, it's like There was artists, kind of. you know what I mean? There was everybody got a cut. And, what, and so it only encouraged you to bring more people. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would love to see something like that. And we've toyed around with that. And we're trying to hope to figure something like that. But finding the right venue with the right landlord, with the right timing, I mean, it just takes a lot of work. It's all location. Yeah. yeah. Location, <laughs> location, location. Yeah. That's an awesome idea. There was one back in my hometown called Aromatic 419 that was the same way. Take abandoned warehouses. It was free. And artists would just claim a spot. And yeah. Then to hang work, it could be installation, it could be music band, right. whatever, and you just walk through. It was it was amazing. And then the crazy thing was like, then like the next month, and that building would be for sale, right? And then the next month it would like it got bought, 
and it was something cool condos or yeah. something crazy like that yeah I remember one time it was I turned into a co-working like you know tech space uh-huh. and an art supply store and then the other one turned into condos and like a restaurant on the bottom so it just kind of helped the landlord whoever owned it like hey you're not selling this you haven't sold in years right if we do this maybe someone will be interested in buying it right oh that space was really cool I'll, I'll tell you one more thing about, <laughs> about non-for-profit it's very t- it's, it's hard it's hard because with an all-volunteer organization well, let's back up there's two types of boards there's a working board and there's a you know governing board Primary Colors is definitely a working board. If you're on the board, you're expected to be at all events and all that. Um, A governing board would be something like at the Art Center where they kind of say, this is what we want to work on, but they're not the boots on the ground. Primary Colors is very much boots on the ground. And I think one of the things I struggle with is probably, you know, as president, I feel like I should be at every event. I feel I think that's important, you know, unless there's some emergency. But you should be there to glad hand and shake hands with people, talk to the right people, make sure you're communicating, make sure you're thanking the artists that participated. But I, I what's hard is is when you're on this board, and let's say this guy over here next to me, he can only have like four hours a week to give. Well, I mean, I can't be mad at him. He was up front with me. I only got four hours. But an all volunteer board think it always ends up being like well so-and-so is not doing this and so-and-so is not doing this and then you have to look at yourself and say well but I keep taking it all on what as if I didn't you know and I think in a lot of these non-for-profits if it came down to if I said no I'm absolutely not taking it somebody else would pick up the ball and run with it but it's hard as president because you got to give people the opportunity to fail you got to trust them you got to let them do their thing maybe they do it differently than you I mean, and that's why you have an HR person, a, a legal person on the board, because it, it, it we all complement each other as a whole. I mean, it kind of is symbiotic of, you know, it kind of represents the whole system that we all work in. We have lawyers, we have bankers, we, we all need each other for us to con- continue to coexist. And I think what's hard is, is when you're looking at the, you know, the person that's doing the numbers... You're like, oh man, you're never there. Well, the thing is, is he's never there, but he also puts together your forecast to let you know what you can do in the future. And I'm not doing that. He's behind the scenes. Right. I'm hanging the artwork, but he doesn't know that I'm hanging the artwork. He just knows that there's something that, that's the opening's happening on this day. Yeah. And I think it's tough. And I would really encourage people before you become a board member to volunteer and make sure that it's, you know, the organization is run in a way that you're comfortable working with. Because it's really tough. I mean, there's times where I want to pull my hair out with my organization. And there's also times where I'm like, man, we all pulled together and we made this awesome thing happen. And I'm like so proud of all you guys, you know. And it, it's just be willing to give as much time as you have and make sure you know when to say, I don't have any more time and I need to back off. Yeah. I mean, I know even just hanging work with, with you almost every event was just like I just want to rip my hair out and then at the very end of it you're just like wow it's fucking awesome you know yeah <laughs> good times yeah it's building up stress yeah. hair pulling out blood pressure high and then <laughs> not eating yeah <laughs> and then at not the sleeping. end yeah and On then at the end it's done last person walks out of the room you close the door and you all stand it. there and you're you like fucking did it that was pretty fun. <laughs> that, that, that freaking worked, yeah. Yeah, that, that was pretty fun. Everyone had a good time. And then you're like, well, let's do it again. <laughs> you have amnesia, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. forgot. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
was it that hard? No, I don't think it was that hard. Was Get it like, once, I can do it again. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes to speaking to, and this is one thing that I think PC really tries to work on with artists, is teaching them when you bring art to a gallery, what state it should be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times people, I'm like, I'm not hanging it like that. I'm not, no. You know, go back, put hanging hardware on. I'll be glad to hang it as soon as you put hanging hardware on. No, I'm not going to put it on for you. Like, <laughs> I'll teach you on one. I, uh, I've had that. Where? Every Thursday it was, he's got the teeth on the back? Fucking put a wire on it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had like a 20-pound paint had teeth on it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it was like wood, you know, it was like a wood frame with wood top, and I'm just like, No. You're, first, I'm going to scratch up the wall. And second, it's not going to hold. You right. know? And, oh my gosh. I, I mean, eventually it just became a blanket, always wire. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had it in the contracts, like, all work had wired and stuff. To the point where there was sometimes, like, this table, I would have it, like, prepped to hang stuff. And someone wouldn't come in. I remember this one dude. I won't say any names. I don't talk to him anymore, ever since the show. Wasn't a bad kid or anything, but just not knowledgeable. And brings all his work, and nothing is wired. <sighs> okay, and I'm like, well, how did you expect it to hang it? And he goes, well, don't you put wires on? I'm like, I'm not a frame shop. <laughs> and so but I know one. <laughs> <laughs> don't and, send to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I looked at him. And I says, here's the thing. I have all the equipment right here. Okay, I'll do it for two dollars and fifty cents. A paint, and I can do it in like a minute. I can yeah. whip each one right? out in sure. like a minute. Yeah, I like, I'll do it for two bucks and fifty cents. And the dude was like, "I'll be back." And came back the next day. Everything was wired. You know, <laughs> the price of me wired. Good. You should learn how to do that. I know. <laughs> really easy. And they came back, but at the same time, then like, because he came back, it was like the day of the show. So then I'm like, I put uh, myself in the yeah. dog. You know, we have flipped things over quick. So I was like, I gotta hang all this stuff up in like an hour to get it, get it ready before the doors open. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, being... Uh, I think, like, when I've seen many shows of Primary Colors Gallery, I, uh, the two things I always thought was it's cohesive and it's professional. Like, very professional. And it was fun. It was relaxed. Because me and Brian had this discussion multiple times, even off air, is that, you know, a lot of galleries, you know, is very intimidating. Sure. And you kind of... You don't know if you belong, you know? Gotcha. And there's a lot of galleries I've been to where, like, I wanted to see this artist work so I go to it and then I go in and I'm just like okay now I want to get out because it's not the work I love the work I'm, it's I'm just an atmosphere yeah the atmosphere and with yeah. primary colors you know I in all the shows that you've done and all the events that I've seen it just seems like a very relaxed atmosphere a very welcoming atmosphere art should be fun yeah yeah it shouldn't be so <laughs> stiff and so like you gotta nose get, up you gotta give everybody an opportunity an avenue into you know, and I think that's kind of what art versus art does. It's not yeah, maybe exactly. you know, like anybody can it's highbrow and lowbrow. You know what I mean? Side you can side. do whatever you want, just but enjoy doing it. Yeah, you know, most importantly, have fun. Yeah. Well, gonna run down some websites. So if anyone wants to know anything about art versus art, it's artversusart.net. Primary colors is what is it? Brian? Primarycolors.org. Dot org. And you, um, what's your store's website? Prism. Uh, Prismart.com. Prism spelled with a Z. Presumably, to see. You got anything? Any other shout-outs that you want to do? No. 
<laughs> Wait, what, what's the date that we figured out this was coming? Uh, October 13th is the show at the BRVA. Yeah. The six. So, yeah, it would be right around then. Okay. Yeah. Well, we just want to thank you, Brian, for being on the show. Yeah. I'm Jake Lee. Brian Arisola. Brian Short, thank you. Yeah, See you next you time. Hey, gang, thanks for listening to the episode. If you like what you hear and you want to send us an email, you can do that at aobpodcast at gmail.com. That's aobpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can swing by the website, which is aobpodcast.wordpress.com. And that even has a form for you to send the email that way. There's also show notes on there. We would really like it if you would you know, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and we are on Google Play now. Once again, and as always, thanks for listening. It's so funny because, like, I used to watch Bob Ross all the time, and I still love him to death. I love his attitude. Sure. And I love that it's just so simple, and your mind gets blown so quickly. And then he just takes that big, fat, red brush and puts Bob Ross on was like, <laughs> mm. You know, he's, he was a real ladies' man when he was alive at the arts conferences. I've heard of guys that were like, he. all I hear is stories about, like, he'd be at the bar after the, you know, the convention or whatever, and there'd be, like, 12 middle-aged ladies all over like and then he just took his pick open shirt you're going with me like open shirt chipmunk in pocket total total male slut you know weird dude that's awesome I remember so soft spoken yeah check out my happy little tree